Welcome to Fun and Fundraising, everybody, the podcast where we talk with people behind top nonprofit galas and signature fundraising events to showcase how they positively transform their communities. I am your host, Rob Giardinelli, and today I'm really excited to have two wonderful guests on. We have Selena Joffrey and we have Stephanie Todd Wong, and they are VP of Development and VP of Communications, respectively, for the Asia Society. And they have a magnificent event coming up, and literally that's in the title. It's their annual Tiger Ball, and the Tiger Ball 2024 theme is celebrating mag celebrating magnificent Asia. So they throw one of the most anticipated and host one of the most anticipated signature fundraising events in Houston each year. It's really one of the most visually stunning events that I've ever seen pho photography wise and experience wise in the state of Texas. So we're, I feel really fortunate to have Selena and Stephanie on today. So with that, Selena, Stephanie, welcome. And we're so excited to have you both on as guests today. Thanks so much. We're excited to be here. Thank you Absolutely. for having us. Absolutely. So um, the first question I'm going to um, direct to um, Stephanie, and can you tell, a little, tell us a little bit about what the mission of the Asia Society is? Absolutely. Um, so here at Asia Society, we truly believe in the strength and beauty of diverse perspectives and people. And we really work to advance cultural exchange by celebrating the vibrant diversity of Asia. Um, so we trust in the power of art and dialogue to combat bias and build a more inclusive society. And so on the ground here, that means that you might be able to attend um, a live art performance or enjoy a lovely exhibition, or maybe you're interested in business and policy and want to learn more about how um, our, our different uh, countries interact with one another. Um, or perhaps you've got kids and you want to come by and see our Explore Asia exhibition and really introduce them to the diversity of Asia. Um, or maybe you are from uh, one of these Asian countries and you want to come and celebrate your culture. Um, all of those things are possible here. That's fantastic. So it really, there, there's a whole host of different ways within within the Asia Society one can really immerse. So I really like that, you know, it, it can be something that's more cultural, but it can also, like you said, it can be something that's a little bit more um, academic and policy driven. And I mm -hmm. like that you create a space really for anyone to, you know, expand and celebrate that. And, you know, with, with that, I want to actually talk a little bit about um, one of the things we always like to talk about is how people get involved with organizations. So with this question, I'd like each of you to answer, but I'd like Selena to start. But how did each of you get involved with Asia Society and what drew you to the organization to be a part of it? So uh, it's interesting you asked that question, Rob. Uh, I actually got involved uh, as a community partner first. Uh, so as a volunteer with the Ismaili Council, uh, we would uh, partner with the Asia Society and uh, host uh, partnered programs together, ranging from uh, performing arts and culture events to business and policy events. And then I got invited to serve as a volunteer on uh, one of the committees, the Performing Arts and Culture Committee. And uh, then an opportunity uh, came my way to serve uh, as a staff member. So it's been a journey overall from a community partner to a volunteer to then uh, being a staff member. And now it's been seven years that I've been with Asia Society. I started as the director of business and policy and then transitioned into development. That's fantastic. What what about like when you were initially partnering and volunteering, what really drew you to really want to get more deeply involved with the organization? 
Um, so it's really the mission of the organization uh, that spoke to me. Um, the way we're able to connect uh, the Houston community, Houstonians to Asia is just magical. Uh, our mission of celebrating Asian cultures through art, music, dances, performances, author and book talks, education, um, thought-provoking uh, discussions on current events uh, ranging from business, policy, uh, topics makes us truly, truly unique. And that's what really drew me to the organization because of the unique factor and the way Asia Society was reaching out into the community to spread awareness and, edu and educate the next generation of leaders uh, through our programming, exhibitions, festivals, in a very innovative way that is both educational and entertaining at the same time. And that's a really tough balance to do. And, you know, I love how eloquently you spoke about that and just how, you know, how broad and diverse and wonderful, you know, not only the Houston community is, but the Asian community within Houston. So it, it was really great to hear your journey on that. And then Stephanie, I'd love to hear your journey as to how you initially got involved with the Asia Society. Absolutely. Um, I was hired first as our director of performing arts and culture. So I have a dance background and had been in dance administration for a while and was in, invited to um, curate our performing arts offerings here and uh, just felt like a wonderful opportunity to learn uh, both about other art forms as well as um, these myriad and vibrant cultures um, that we get to celebrate every day. Um, so I started uh, doing that almost eight years ago. And then over the course of the pandemic, um, took on additional responsibilities in our communications role and then uh, formally transitioned over into that side of things um, a couple of years ago. So now I oversee our comms as well as some of our external affairs. You know, I'm glad you brought up and we don't harp on the pandemic on this program, but we do talk about it on occasion where it warrants. And, you know, you've been with the organization for eight years, so you kind of got to see it before, during and after. How, you know, how, how, did, how did the organization shift during COVID? And, you know, what things did you learn from that that you've taken out of COVID that, you know, have helped enhance the organization? Yeah, um, it was a difficult time for everyone, um, but I think it really, it brought our team together in a very focused way. And um, as many other organizations did, we learned how to move a lot of content online and how to try to engage with people in their homes rather than expecting them to always come and visit us here. Um, and so it really kind of took everyone outside of their comfort zone and we all learned a lot. And um, also, you know, there was a, there was a lot of, there was a lot of things happening in our society around that time um, with anti-Asian hate. Um, so it really brought into focus our mission and I think really um, helped all of us understand the, the urgency of our mission, which might not have, it might not have felt as urgent before. Um, but now um, we were seeing the impact on, on our staff members, on, you know, dear friends and community members. And so it really, um, I think, helped us understand the gravity of, of our mission and the importance of it. Um, and we've been able to carry that through um, since then. 
Absolutely. And, you know, and I'm, I'm glad you talked about how, I mean, there were lots of challenges within the Asian community on top of the pandemic. There was, there was, you know, a surge in anti-Asian violence. So the fact that you all were able to galvanize and put everything together and really come out of the pandemic as a stronger organization, showcasing really broad aspects of, you know, the Asian community in Houston, that actually leads me to my next question. And I, I'd love to hear both of your perspectives and feel free whomever like to, you know, answer first, feel free to do so. So I believe and correct me if I'm wrong, but the Asia Society has, it's an international organization. It's got presence, I believe in four US cities. And if I'm wrong, please correct me on that. Um, but what motivated the Asia Society to establish a presence in Texas and most spe more specifically within Houston? Selena, you go first. <laughs> um, so it's actually uh, six centers, uh, not four in the U.S., our, our latest one being in Seattle. Uh, so we have uh, one in New York, uh, one in D.C. Um, we have uh, two in California, in L.A. and San Francisco. Um, Seattle is our latest one. And then uh, in Houston, of course, uh, we're here. Um, so uh, your question about what motivated Asia Society. So it was founded by John Rockefeller uh, back in 1956. And the first Asia Society started uh, in New York. Um, but uh, fast forward a few years, 1979, uh, Asia Society Texas was established by First Lady Barbara Bush and former Ambassador Roy Huffington. And uh, Houston being such a diverse city, and it's increasingly becoming more and more diverse now. So we see the value of it, the, the foresight that um, people like Bar uh, First Lady Barbara Bush and Ambassador Huffington had in establishing an organization like Asia Society in Houston and its immense value can be seen now after you know the many years we have been in existence because of the diversity of Houston and how many people are able to um, take advantage of an organization like Asia Society and the programming that we do. Absolutely, and Stephanie, I'd love for you to add, add some information as well if you'd like to share. Uh, I mean, Selena kind of captured it all, but I think, you know, uh, the Asia Society offices tend to get rooted in cities where they can really serve that community well. And so between Houston's um, biz international business and shipping, you know, medical, oil and gas industries, plus the, the diversity of its residents, um, you know, it, it made sense to devote resources and energy into building up those relationships, um, both internationally and within the local community. So uh, that's why, that's what we do. Absolutely. And what I like is, and I didn't realize that this was, you know, the local chapter or the Houston chapter was, you know, established in part by, you know, former first lady, um, Barbara Bush. You know, what, what I like is, is that it, you know, it's a 40, you know, 40 something year old organization but this organization has grown along with the city over the last mm -hmm. four decades. And it was diverse then and as diverse as it was then. It's I think I think I read an article somewhere and correct me if I'm wrong, but Houston's even more diverse in terms of the number of languages spoken and the number of cultures here than even New York City now. Did I hear did I read that correctly when <laughs> I saw that? 
I think the numbers go back and forth and it depends on how you count, but uh, we are right up there with them. Absolutely. So one in one a basically, and, and they toggle back and forth. It's like those top two TV shows in the ratings and they're going back and forth with each other. Yeah. So, so yeah. And we've had a, a presence here since 1979 as, as Selena mentioned. And then in 2012 um, we opened our, our building. And so that's allowed us to serve the community um, in a whole new way. So prior to that, we were primarily business and policy oriented and we rented spaces for different events. But since 2012, we've had this beautiful building designed by uh, Yoshio Tanaguchi that allows us to do performing arts and have a gallery space for exhibitions and education space. Um, so it's really that, that big shift in our organizational history has allowed us to serve the community in, in a much more uh, a much more deep um, way. Well, I love that you talked about how really that was the early 2010s was really a time of expansion for you. What what advice would you all give to an organization that's looking to expand their, you know, expand their programming? Because it, it sounds like you obviously saw a need for, for the cultural aspect of it. What advice would you give to an organization looking to do that within their own community? Um, I would say you've got to work with the community and make sure that you're serving them in the way that they need. Um, it doesn't do a lot of good, um, I think, to try to build something unless it's coming from within and what the community, what's going to help serve the community that you're looking to work with. Absolutely. Real simple sage advice, you know, just listen to the, the people within your community and, you know, do what they do, what's needed of them at the time. And, you know, my next question is for Selena and kind of piggybacks, piggybacks off of this, but what's a piece of advice, you know, if someone has an organization and you had mentioned like you all have just opened a chapter in Seattle, what's a piece of advice you would give someone looking to start a chapter of their own nonprofit or their own foundation in a new city? So in my opinion, nonprofit work is very, very rewarding because it's all about the passion, the causes, and a mission behind the work. And all of that depends on people who share these attributes. So if moving to a new city, I would think the very first thing to do would be to engage with the people, to learn about what's needed in that city. And uh, that you know institutions are like-minded and hold similar values. Essentially, these people in that city will become your partners in thought, spirit, and action. Absolutely. And I love that you talked about listening to the people. And one of the things that, that I've, you know, that I've been able to notice going to different cities is each city in itself is a person and it has its own personality and it's tapping in and understanding not just the people, but making sure you're also respecting the city as a person. I really love you know, how you, you know, how you explain that. And, you know, I know what we're here to talk about today is the wonderful Tiger Ball that is coming up. So one thing that I have always appreciated about the event is you really draw a really wonderfully diverse yet loyal crowd. Like, yes, there's always going to be new people because any good event's always going to have new people, but you have a really good core group of folks that are there year after year. You know, I'd love for, for each of you to share, um, and maybe we can start with Stephanie on this one. What are some things that a person or an organization can do to make sure that they're creating a devoted following for their annual gala or their annual signature fundraising event? Um, I mean, the things I've learned from our Tiger Ball are one, make it fun. 
And two, uh, the wow factor goes a long way. <laughs> so uh, often the last few years in particular, you know, we've kind of transformed our parking lot um, and into this massive tent. And so you go from outside into like this new world. And I think that that wow factor makes an impact on people. Um, and I think folks enjoy coming together and having fun together and um, enjoying one another's company while also knowing that they are supporting a really essential cause uh, for their city. Absolutely. And Selena, I'd love to hear your thoughts from the development side on that. Yeah. So, well, Stephanie said, you know, it's the fun and the wild factor and we do a lot of that, but I also think it's a little deeper uh, in terms of the way I look at, uh, you know, the devoted following and the success of a fundraiser is, it all boils down to the three E's. And what are the three E's? Uh, the first one is engagement. The second one is emotions. And then the third one is experiences. So uh, if you will allow me, let me elaborate a little bit. on Absolutely, please do. <laughs> so when I talk about engagement, what I mean by that is, uh, our hope is always to create an environment where people can find intellectual, emotional, and social engagement at our gala. So everyone is there to celebrate and support the work of Asia Society, but we believe that these are terrific opportunities to bring all our like-minded friends under the tent pole as it allows us to engage with them and then celebrate with each other. And that's where the power of networks is very evident. Uh, it's a community of people who believe in uh, similar things and get to excitedly engage in conversations about how these ideas can be supported as we go into the future. So that's engagement. In terms of emotions, uh, People always, uh, firstly, need to buy into the logic and intellect of the mission to support the vision of an organization. But I think it is also important to make sure that our stakeholders are able to connect with us and our work at an emotional level and can use that emotional connection to be passionate about our work. So having that emotional engagement with the mission allows people to connect even more deeply and also carry that, um, so to speak, the flame of passion for our work beyond the gala. <laughs> <laughs> and the last one, experiences, I believe that our Tiger Ball is, uh, very unique. Uh, Stephanie talked about, uh, you know, we transform uh, the parking lot, but it is really designed to stimulate our guests in mind, body, and spirit. So what I mean by that is we do this by bringing together various elements that can uh, excite all our human senses. Uh, so this creates a wonderful experience for our guests, but our true goal is to make sure these wonderful experiences are memorable so that they're not just enjoyed in the here and now, but a while at the event, but they're also remembered uh, later on. And these memories then serve to encourage continued engagement by our guests who then invest their time and intellect towards the Asia Society. I I'm so sorry for the very long No, answer. no, I, I that was a brilliant explanation. And what I took from the way that you explained it is how interconnected 
all three of those E's are. The experience elicits an emotion that increases engagement. And you, you really explain that so well. And, you know, all three of those are absolutely true. And any, you know, anyone who knows, you know, anything about fundraising knows people have to be emotionally tied. And if you create the experience and the engagement around that, you're, you're going to be able to hit a home run like you all are able to do with Tiger Ball. And I want to get into the details of it in a minute. But before we do, one thing that I think is important is, you know, the Asia Society is an international organization. The Tiger Ball is Houston's local signature fundraising event. So how do you all go about creating a local event feel while highlighting the mission of an international organization? I would Except say that, uh, yeah, I'll I'll jump in unless Selena prefers to, but um, as a general rule, the way that our international organization is structured, right, is that we all work under this umbrella of the mission, but that we do it specifically in a way that suits our communities. So the things that work in Texas might not work in New York, might not work in Tokyo, right? So uh, we have the freedom to really serve our community in the best way that we can as it is specific to our community, if that makes sense. So um, I think you see that reflected in Tiger Ball as well, through the honorees that are selected, through the people that we bring together to celebrate those honorees. Um, and we, I think making it local is also what helps it be strong because it is about bringing the, our local community together to celebrate um, one of our community leaders. Absolutely. And it sounds like that the organization has really strong leadership on an international level to trust each of you, you know, because that's a lot, you know, within an, and I know some national and international organizations where they will literally come into town and it's like a canned, you know, a canned gal mm -hmm. on a canned event. It takes a lot of trust and really strong leadership to do that and to trust you all, you know, to respect an international organization and give it a local flair. So, you know, talk well, a little bit about, you know, the, the engagement of how you, you know, what is the the relationship that you all have with, you know, the international component of the organization? Sure. So I want to, this is kind of on the technical side, but it is important to distinguish the Asia Society of Texas is its own 501c3. Oh, fantastic. So we are our own nonprofit organization that fits within this global organization, this kind of global structure. Um, so the funds raised for Tiger Ball or for any of our initiatives stay here and support the work that is done here. Um, so that also um, reinforces that autonomy uh, to work with the mission as we see fit to support and serve our local community. Um, so, you know, the New York office does its thing the way it's supposed to, the Northern California does its as well, um, but we do have that freedom and autonomy. Um, and then those funds that are raised to support the work here stays here and supports that work. Fantastic. And thank you for clarifying that and, and the importance of that and how each of you all are your own individual, individual self-contained 501c3 within the, you know, within the umbrella of an organization. And, um, you know, with that, I want to go back to, you know, go back to the Tiger Ball and talk. And Selena, you had mentioned, you know, in your three E's with experience. And one of the things that about the Tiger Ball that I talked about at the top of the show is how visually impactful this event is. How do you think that bold, captivating design that you create for each year's Tiger Ball really elevates that experience for your guests? 
So, uh, like I said earlier, you know, we believe in that holistic experience of the Tiger Ball, which makes it a very unique experience for our guests. So it is really the activation of all the different senses, including the visual element, right? So when people walk in, they are there's a wow factor, right? So it's done through uh, the decor, uh, the ambiance, and we're able to make it a very special experience by creating this uh, very powerful visual impact as soon as people walk into uh, the Tiger Ball event. And you just have to come uh, this time uh, to the Tiger Ball to be able to experience it. Well, and each year, I know that there's a different theme and each year you wow in a whole different way. So talk a little bit about how, how you know, the Houston chapter of the Asia Society creates and selects, you know, the theme that they're going to do for each year. And, you know, and, and that allows it to keep it fresh and interesting and really keeps guests on their toes. Yeah, so... The theme is really driven by the couple we're honoring uh, in any given year. Um, so it can range from uh, different Asian countries uh, that they may be affiliated with or identify with because they were born there or, you know, uh, they are um, their parents were born there. Um, but there's some way able to identify with that country. That country could range from um, Japan, India, Korea, and then uh, there are some broader themes such as uh, Pan-Asia. So this year we are uh, celebrating Magnificent Asia. There's no particular Asian country this year, but mostly to answer your question, it's a shared vision between the honorees uh, and our team that then transforms the Tiger Ball into this very fun and innovative event. Fantastic. And would you be able to share, would you all be able to share a little bit about this year's honorees and how they've impacted the Asia Society over the years in Houston? So uh, the honorees this year are uh, Sabria and Kevin Lewis. Uh, they are longtime Houstonians uh, of, uh, and they are longtime supporters of the Asia Society. And uh, they uh, believe uh, in our mission, our work, and uh, how to bring people together, and how to advance, uh, you know, the diversity of uh, uh, the Houston community by uh, supporting the work that we do at Asia Society. And just to add a little bit to that, and I don't want to sound too philosophical, but uh, having that great relationship uh, with our honorees and uh, it's kind of like a yin-yang relationship, right? So <laughs> at the core, you know, our values and mission are very much informed and guided by the vision and passions of our key stakeholders. And Sabria and Kevin have uh, been very supportive of our organization and our mission. Kevin has served uh, served on our board for many, many years. Um, so they embrace uh, the core values uh, that Asia society embodies. And really, there's 
if you look at it, there's no distinction between their work inside and outside of Asia society. And they serve as the best ambassadors for our organization. Um, so we're, we're extremely grateful and blessed that uh, Sabria and Kevin are uh, being honored this year. They've agreed to be honored. And uh, we're, they are perfect examples of what kind of ambassador ambassadors uh, an organization like ours should aspire to have. I am really glad that you talked about that, you know, Sabrina and Kevin as ambassadors, because those are make for great honorary chairs or honor honorees, because they're going to really bring their own crowd because they have they have a force behind them. And, you know, I, I'm going to direct the next question to Stephanie. And, you know, as we all know, putting together a successful fundraiser is a multi-legged stool. So you have to have a strong organization, which you all are, but you've also got to have really good event chairs honorary chairs and everything in between. Share a little bit about the importance and how you all work with, you know, have good relationships with your event chairs each year in the, in the creation process. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think, uh, you know, from a development perspective, it's all about building relationships, right? And so that is a, that's a year round um, goal and task is to build and, and really deepen the relationships with people who, who believe in what we do as much as we do. Um, and then if, if you're doing that on a regular basis, then you do have a great cast of people. You know, you have a great group of people that you can um, can kind of call on when the time comes, you know, to put together that right group of people to celebrate the, the honorees at any given time. So um, we're very intentional about how we, um, work with those group of staple stakeholders, how we cultivate them, how we deepen those relationships and how we try to provide opportunities for them to build relationships with one another, right? Because the, the chairs um, are gonna be more effective when they also have deep ties to the honorees and the and the organization, right? It's, it's that triad. Um, and so you don't wanna have people there who, who are there in name only, right? You wanna have people who really believe both in the organization and that the honorees that you're honoring, you know, uh, deserve to be celebrated and are, are just as excited about celebrating them as we are. So I think when you have that magic, um, that's when that's when great events happen. But it is a year round constant um, uh, task that needs tending. Right. Like you're constantly developing those relationships, trying to build them amongst one another, amongst that group as well. Um, so that they um, both enjoy working with the organization, but also enjoy working with one another. Absolutely. And I'm, thank you for sharing the part about the, you know, the triad and just how, how incredibly important it is. Don't just get a name because it's a name. They ha there has to be, they have to, everyone has to be simpatico for it to be successful. So even if you get a big name, if there's not a tie or a connection either to the organization or to the event chairs, and I've seen where the honoree and the event chair, and I see the invitation and the names, and I'm like, okay, that's an interesting one. So it's good that you, you all are so thoughtful and intentional that it is important to really have those strong relationships all around so that th there are no gaps in, in the triad or the triangle for, for anything to gush, to gush out of, you know, gush out of the, <laughs> gush out of the borders of it. So, um, you know, I want to turn a little bit to what folks can expect to experience at this year's Tiger Ball, because you all do different themes each year. So I know 
some of the elements are going to change from year to year. And Selena, I'd love for you to share, you know, what, what, what can a guest expect to experience when they go to Tiger Ball 2024? <laughs> like I said, Rob, you'll have to attend, you know. <laughs> but uh, I mean, we definitely want to keep most of it a surprise for our guests. Uh, but and I don't want to give away too many details. But let me provide a quick sneak peek. Um, so the guests can expect uh, to have a joyful evening of celebrations while we honor and celebrate the Lewises. Uh, it'll be an evening filled with good food great company, exquisite decor, fun entertainment, and highly curated experiences along with a silent auction. But above all, it will be an opportunity to reconnect with us as an organization, to connect with each other, spend time some with old friends while making some new ones that may transform in long-term engagement with the Asia Society and one another. Fantastic. And that's you you teased just enough to pique and intrigue my interest, you know, and the decor, everything from the decor to the auction to the experiences and everything in between. All of those, you know, really create something, you know, something can create something magical. And I know we're running short on time, but I want to ask one question of each of you, you know, as we conclude. And that is, you know, because you both have such a wealth of experience with this really fantastic event. And I'd like each of you to just answer this in a phrase or a word or a sentence. And that is, what is one thing that all successful galas or signature fundraising events have in common? And we'll start with Stephanie on that one. Oh, I thought Selena raised her hand. I was going to let her go first so I could buy myself some time. <laughs> no worries. Um, Whomever would like to go first, go first. It's fine. Um, I mean, I, I think it's it's fun, but it's also mission-driven. So it's not one thing. It, it's got to be, I think it's got to be both. Bringing fun to the mission is so important because you all do such hard work. And I think sometimes in nonprofits, the celebration can get lost. So I'm really glad that you brought that brought that piece up, Stephanie. So that was an excellent answer. Um, Selena, go ahead. Uh, so I don't have a very different answer, but what I will say is it's actually the passion for the mission. Uh, which you will see that, you know, uh, a lot of these uh, organizations have in common. Well, that's a mic drop moment. I mean, you two are simpatico, the organization simpatico, and the event will be simpatico. So I know it will be a really magical night. So Selena, Stephanie, thank you so much for joining us today. It was wonderful to have you. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us. Absolutely. And we're looking forward to seeing you at Tiger Ball. I can't wait to experience it. And this is going to be my first one. So I'm really, really looking forward to it after having seen so many wonderful images over the years. And with that, Asia Society's Tiger Ball 2024, Celebrating Magnificent Asia, will be on March 1st, 2024 in Houston, Texas. For more information, please visit asiasociety.org. And that will do it for this episode of Fun and Fundraising. I'm your host, Rob Giardinelli, reminding you to keep it fun. Keep it interesting and your guests will have a great time. Have a great day, everyone, and take care. <laughs>